Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include my interview with Seth Sprague on the current mortgage servicing rights market, conforming conventional news, and the Fed pushes back against the end of the rate hike cycle. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Richie May. Richie May is a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry. The firm has consistently been recognized as one of the fastest growing firms in the country and has been named to the Housing Wire Tech 100 in Mortgage, Accounting Today Firms to Watch, and the fastest growing firms. The firm has also received multiple awards for excellence in firm culture from inside public accounting. To experience how Richie May can help you transform your mortgage business, visit richiemay.com. As rumors of correspondent, wholesale, and retail company cutbacks or closings continue to bounce around our biz, capital market staff have turned their attention due to recent rate drops to renegotiations in the primary markets with LOs and AEs. In the secondary markets, of course, Wall Street firms don't renegotiate hedge positions. In other words, one can't call up Morgan Stanley or BAML or multibank securities and whine, uh, remember that MBS we sold you three weeks ago? Well, rates have moved and we want a better price or else. In fact, I've even heard nervousness from lenders about margin calls from broker-dealers, especially if we continue to see bond prices rally and rates drop due to an economic slowdown. Will the Fed raise rates too much, dampening consumer spending and increasing the odds of an actual declared recession? Right now, employment is still strong, as are family and corporate balance sheets, especially after refinancing trillion dollars of debt in 2020 and 2021. Heck. Even fancy coffee places like Starbucks, which reported record revenue yesterday, are seeing increased sales of premium cups of coffee. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show, Seth Sprague. With extensive experience in mortgage banking and mortgage servicing, Seth leads Richie May's mortgage banking consulting services practice. He also serves as the strategic leader for the entire Richie May suite of services, including profitability and operational reviews, strategic planning, mortgage servicing rights strategy, retain versus release, and cash flow optimization. Drawing on more than 25 years of mortgage banking and mortgage servicing experience, Seth has invaluable expertise and a holistic perspective on the intersection of policy with economic and market conditions and its impact on the mortgage ecosystem. His in-depth background in mortgage strategy, profitability, and operations comes at a critical time for Richie May's mortgage clients as they continue to navigate the industry's dynamic environment. Before we actually start the interview, uh, is it true you have to call my dad on a burner phone? <laughs> no, that that is just a uh, that is just an inside joke with me and your dad. But if you think about the Seinfeld episodes where where Jerry gives the wizard to his dad and tells him it's hot, you know your dad always likes it when I you know tell him I'm calling from a burner phone. Uh, makes it makes him feel more excited about the news. That's funny. So. You've obviously been in the industry a long time and are, are very well known. Over 25 years of working with servicing valuation. Has the servicing valuation method changed since you got into the MSR business? Uh, great question. So I say let's start with the, it's still the same pre-tax 9% unlevered discount rate for Fannie and Freddie servicing that it's been since I got in this space in the mid-90s. But from a modeling perspective, I would say it has changed. There's been a couple couple cha- material changes, I would say. The first is that the industry 
sort of continues to migrate what I'm going to call to real-time or sort of cloud-based valuation models. And that's different than it used to be when you had to send a physical tape or a disk or even an email to an FTP site. So there is a little bit of change there in how people are getting their valuations done and it's a little bit faster turn time and, and a more cloud-based kind of a user-friendly type situation. You know, the modeling has, has definitely gotten better. Um, Andrew Davidson is still the predominant prepayment model, though there are other ones out there with AFT, uh, which is owned by Black Knight. And I would say that the other piece that's in there is that the scrutiny of the MSR asset has certainly changed over time uh, and changed materially over time, where, you know, the documentation of the assumptions, there's now surveys that are available for both by PwC, KPMG, and actually um, a few others out there. And so, I do think that the servicing valuation process has changed. It's become much more buttoned down, much more documented than it used to be. And the final piece would be sort of that cloud-based or real-time. I think is really where the industry is sort of heading in the future. Um, you know, uh, click button, get valuation. I do think that the data still needs to be checked and you got to make sure that that calibrates well. But that certainly is where the valuation process, I think, is going. We're in an environment where we're seeing increased M&A activity and companies are trying to figure out how to value other companies. In your opinion, do you think independent mortgage banks have any net worth besides the value of their MSRs? So in the shameless plug department, Ken Ritchie here at Ritchie May does a lot of work in the M&A space. And if you've ever seen me on a panel, you know the answer is it depends on the, on the counterparty and what's going on. I would say, generically speaking, that the MSR asset clearly for most IMBs is the largest asset that's on their balance sheet. But when you think about M&A, and certainly it's very active right now, you would get potentially paid out more in a uh, sort of a three-year earnout period for production. So there is value to IMBs, even if they don't have a servicing portfolio. But you would get less cash up front, certainly, versus uh, having to earn it out over time through some sort of production earnout uh, feature with your counterpart that you're selling to. So there is value there, just not as much day one cash, I think, is the clarification point I would make. And when it comes to creating value, have you ever seen a company design its products based on the value of its servicing? I, I guess what I mean is, trying to originate products with higher servicing values? Yes, no, and maybe. So <laughs> in, in the sense of designing servicing values, remember that the capital markets function can change the servicing fee or create a different servicing strip on certain Ginny May 2 coupons. And if you have the ability to create mortgage-backed securities, you could create a larger servicing strip than the traditional 25. So there is some capital markets functions that could create a higher servicing value. As far as specific products, I would say the generic answer there is no. However, when you think about a company and what they should retain for servicing and what their ideal customer is, I spend a lot of time working with clients trying to help them understand who their ideal customer is based on their overall strategy and then what servicing, if they choose to retain servicing, fits that box versus what they what should they release? For example, lower balance loans or higher balance loans or escrowed loans or non-escrowed loans. All those should be 
retain based on your overall kind of company structure and strategy, as opposed to just kind of keeping whatever an aggregator doesn't want. And in the current market, what, what's been, uh, what's been valuable? Are we, are we looking at 2018 and 2019 vintages? Are uh, companies just trying to, to put things in their portfolios right now and, and hang on to them for a later date? Are companies trying to get rid of everything? What's, what's current activity like? Again, depends on the structure of the company and their cash needs and their what's happening on the origination side. But the market sort of had, has MSR market been very much flooded with 2020 and 2021 production, which is all in that sort of 3% or sub 3% 30-year fixed uh, coupon. That's been what a lot of the trades have been. More recently, trades have migrated up towards kind of the second half of 2021 production and even some 2022 production. It, generically speaking, companies that have retained servicing because it was a necessity coming out of COVID and the lack of liquidity, many of those folks have ex- are trying to exit servicing or pair back on their servicing portfolio to monetize for the cash. The issue that some of them ex- are experiencing is, is that the buyers want, in some ways, a consistent seller as opposed to a one-time seller in the marketplace. And if you retain servicing a couple billion and that's all you've got, and then you sell it bulk, you might not get the same pricing that a consistent seller will get or a known counterparty will get because it's it's kind of viewed as a one-off trade. And there's a lot of legal and other expenses and counterparties you have to consider in that transaction, which may not represent the full value that you think your servicing is worth. And when it comes to that retain versus release decisioning, what advice do you give smaller companies when they're evaluating their servicing? The first question I always ask is why? Why do you want to retain servicing? And if the answer is, well, it's customer driven. We want to control the customer behavior. We're, we don't want to transfer to somebody else. We're, we want to have this customer for life. That tends to be the answer Then say, okay, well, then let's look at your the financial implications, the tax implications, the cash implications, and the capital implications and do some financial modeling about what it means to retain servicing. In the shameless plug department, I've helped more than a dozen companies with that modeling exercise over the last several years and still are helping folks try to navigate those waters because understanding the financials outside of the why is the second derivative of what must be accomplished as opposed to sort of jumping into the pool first saying, hey, we're retaining servicing and then figuring out that the financials don't work for you or what you're retaining doesn't sort of fit your strategy. Both of those are pitfalls we want to have people avoid. I think for buyers of servicing, they they traditionally kind of outline a, how much servicing they want to buy at the start of the year and buy it over the course of the year. But as, as you've said, the market has been flooded. So in your opinion, what what's something our listeners can do today to be better prepared for the rest of the year? Well, I think the first thing to understand is what is your break-even point on the origination side of the business and how you can return to profitability if you aren't profitable. I think from a specific servicing side, you really need to look at the servicing cash flows. And that just doesn't mean looking at the valuation that you're getting. It's really understanding the cash flows, the cash flows that you're getting, and how much cash is that servicing portfolio really generating for you. That will help dictate whether or not the servicing asset makes sense for you. But if you're going to explore a sale, I would just 
throw caution that there's a lot of deals in the marketplace. There's been a lot of deals. And to your point, Robbie, there's a lot of budgets that already have been filled up. And so the buyers have certainly become much more selective over the last 60 days. That can make a transaction uh, more difficult and you may not receive that full fair value that's represented in your valuations. And I think you just want to be careful about, you know, what, what makes sense for you the rest of the year? Should I carry the servicing asset into next year? Should I deal with a year-end audit around my servicing portfolio? Or should I shed the asset now for cash? And every company is different. Every strategy is different. And I think that's really where, you know, talking to somebody who's seasoned, experienced, and been through the ropes on this can help sort of navigate and clarify each of those questions. And before you go back to the shameless plug department, I'll, I'll do it for you and say, <laughs> you're, you're probably the guy to talk to. So reaching out to Richie May is never a bad idea. Seth, thanks for uh, making the time and coming on. Talk to me today. Thanks, man. Sure. Home loan programs like FHA, VA, Jumbo, non-QM, and NHFA slash bond account for a percentage of current production. But Fannie and Freddie still rule the roost. And let's take a look at some recent lending news. In terms of demand for what lenders are producing, the Federal Reserve is closing up the quantitative easing and leaving private investors to absorb all new mortgage bond supply, as well as any roll-off from its massive $2.7 trillion worth of agency mortgage-backed security holdings. But at least the Fed is choosing an opportune time to do so, because the supply has dropped. Bank of Oklahoma's Chris Maloney reports that July gross issuance of all agency mortgage bonds came to $129.5 billion, its lowest since June 2019 according to Bloomberg's collateral performance research data. Last month's supply comes to just about half of what we were experiencing at this point in 2021. Gross issuance year-to-date now stands at $1.2 trillion, and it is still forecasted to end the year around $2 trillion. While this would be above the $1.3 trillion annual average seen during the 2000 through 2019 period, it would also be far below the $3.3 trillion average seen in 2020 and 2021. At the other end of the mortgage process, depository's market share of Fannie and Freddie Mac servicing increased to 43.0% in the second quarter of 2022, ending a nearly uninterrupted two-year slide, according to a new Inside the GSE ranking and analysis. GSE servicing by banks was up 3.1% from the first quarter and 5.4% since the same time last year. Megabanks expanded their market share to 18.6% from 18.0% during the April to June period, Will their volume increase 6.1%? Overall, $6.44 trillion of servicing linked to mortgage-backed securities from GSEs was outstanding as of the end of June, a 2.5% increase from the end of March. The higher Fed funds rate is starting to impact the economy, and there are signs of economic weakness and a possible recession. Bond yields have dropped and mortgage rates have followed suit. Those in our industry know that the Federal Reserve doesn't set mortgage rates, but the Fed's moves do affect other debt like home equity loans, credit cards, car loans, and other consumer and corporate debt. Mortgage rates are down overall since hitting an average of 6% in mid-June. And there are many that believe that the Fed, through its bond buying program, artificially kept rates too low for too long in late 2021 and into 2022. Rates reached record-breaking lows during the pandemic, in part contributing to the home shopping and refinancing frenzy of the past two years. And higher mortgage rates are helping return the market to something approaching normalcy. Slowing home shoppers down could lead to more inventory, which has been historically low, as well as fewer bidding wars and lower prices. 
Rates paused the recent decline yesterday after San Francisco Fed President Daly pushed back against speculation about the rate hike cycle nearing its end and the Fed easing later next year. Minneapolis Fed President Kashkari has also recently said that the hiking cycle is nowhere near to being done. We saw yesterday that job openings fell by 600,000 in June, according to the Jolts Jobs Report, showing that the labor market is beginning to cool off. Most of the decrease came in retail, as consumers are beginning to curtail their spending due to rising prices for necessities. With the recent decline in mortgage rates, MBA reported that mortgage applications increased 1.2% from one week earlier in the latest weekly mortgage applications survey following four straight weeks of declines. Later this morning brings the final July S&P Global Non-Manufacturing PMI reading, ISM Non-Manufacturing PMI, June factory orders, and Treasury announcing the details of the quarterly refunding. Three Fed presidents are on tap, Philadelphia's Harker, Richmond's Barkin, and Minneapolis's Kashkari. The desk will purchase up to $839 million of UMBS 34% through 5%, and we start Wednesday with agency MBS prices worse about an eighth and the 10-year yielding 2.78 after closing yesterday at 2.74%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. During the trade wars of the 18th century, bartering was quite common among seafaring merchants who needed laborers to load and unload their wares at each port. They were willing to trade just about anything to get strong, loyal workers. At one port, the captain of a merchant ship had his eye on a well-built, muscular potential addition to his crew, whose name was Anwar. He approached Anwar's owner. I'll trade you 50 pounds of coarse-grained igneous quartz rock for Anwar, he proposed. What do you think about that offer, Anwar? his owner asked him. If you ask me, Anwar replied, I don't like being taken for granite. To stay competitive in this market, lenders need to find efficiencies and understand their operations in a much deeper way. Richie Mays Consulting, Business Intelligence, and Automation Services are designed by mortgage experts to help you continue to drive growth and increase profitability. Visit richiemay.com advisory to learn more about how you can differentiate your business or set up a meeting with one of Richie Mays experts. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.